It's Sunday, September 29th, and you're listening to The Outsiders Comicast. Finally back, a little short-handed this time. Uh, I am Mark Gibson, and I'm with Mark Ollie, Romero Paul, uh, Khalil, and Wade. They are out this week. Hopefully, they'll be back for a next show. Um, we've got a pretty decent show coming up for you guys. We've got some news. We've got some discussion, and of course, we have reviews. Comic book news. So within the last week, we would have seen. Marvel's Agents of Shield coming to the screens, and it's a, it was apparently the number one rated show for the last in the last four years, which I guess is good news for for Disney Marvel, um, and that follows and following on the heels of that, there's uh, a bit more comic book news. We've got actually DC looking to take two of their properties to the small screen. Uh, Fox Television orders a Commissioner Gordon origin series entitled Gotham. Was there any um, any rumors of casting for it? Uh, so far, we've got no news for casting at all. I think we, that's going to make or break that show. Well, it, it'll make or break any show pretty much. <laughs> um, it's a show on Fox, which you know is, is always tricky. Fox shows don't seem to last very long. Um, it's again a police procedural, uh, it's a drama that's going to focus on James Gordon long before he became Gotham's police commissioner or buddy pal to the Batman. And apparently he's going to be just a detective investigating some of Gotham's most famous criminals. Which is interesting because a lot of people tend to assume that Batman and his cape crusading kind of kicked off the whole weird criminal underground in Gotham. But I guess this this new series is gonna change things up a bit. Um, Jim Gordon was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane, and he was the star of Chuck D- Dixon and Jim Aparo's underrated nineteen ninety six miniseries Batman GCPD. Uh, right now, we can tell you for sure. Well, there's no casting news. The show Gotham will be developed by Mentalist creator Bruno Heller. Uh, if you're familiar with Mentalist, it's a show starring Simon Baker as a Mentalist, pretty much, working with a FBI-type squad in California. What do you guys think? What's your expectations for that show coming out of it? I'm going to reserve judgment for a little bit. It's... It sounds like it, it's, you know, a typical show format, procedural, just a bunch of guys you know from these movies, so they're just trying to take the momentum from it and the Dark Knight movies and kind of transfer it to a little more TV rolling. Um, it's possible it could be good, but until I hear some more, some reason to make it unique and stand out, it just sounds like another procedural with the Batman, name, Batman label on it. Well, it's not actually going to have... I, I, I get that, but either. I mean, it's, it's that mythos, that, that set of um, characters. Well, DC previously attempted to bring a show to television with Batman. It's going to spin off, spin off the Batman mythos, but without Batman. That was Birds of Prey on 
the WB back in the day. Um, and that show didn't last very long. So, you know, here we have another show, minus the Batman again, and will history repeat itself, or will it work? I like, I, I'm a little more, we'll say that it is definitely a cash-in. It, it has to be, because in the past time, the past recent time, with the great success that was the trilogy of um, the Dark Knight series, why not? Yeah. In their minds, it's like, why not? Because yeah. there's technically well, right now no Batman series on television. The business reasons make well, there's, perfect there's sense. Batman, it was animation, but back, so. the business reasons make perfect sense, and right. um, Agents of Shield proved that they got excellent, <laughs> excellent. Um, the best ratings, ratings, just rolling off of uh, Avengers. I mean, there's really nothing else to this show. The marketing has not been that aggressive. Um, they, mm -hmm. They've had cuts and trailers, but none of them have been mind blowing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, this is just rolling off name recognition, and it works. So I can't fault DC for trying it, but I hope they put more than just the name recognition into it. I know I I would have preferred DC to do what they're doing with the Flash, where using Arrow as like the beachhead, yeah, yeah, yeah. and spinning out show all that that would have been cooler. It would have been interesting seeing um, Arrow or Oliver Queen going up against uh, Bruce Wayne. Arrow is doing pretty well, right? Arrow is doing pretty very well actually, and it's um, starting the second season in a matter of weeks. So you know, I need to get the first season at least because everybody's speaking about it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I well, I'm unapologetically not following it. Yeah. I have no interest in it. So I'll take, I'll keep track of the news of it, like how it's doing, because mm -hmm. it relates to my interest. But I'm not interested in the show itself. Well, for a show with all the pretty, pretty, lovely, beautiful characters. CW. CW. It actually is, it actually does fit the bill of being dark and gritty. Okay. And the action works, so, you know, that's cool. Moving on with other news, and this is more, you know, TV development. Constantine, or Constantine, as we might call it. There's a TV show that's going to be going into development at NBC. And this follows just days after the announcement for Gotham. So Warner Brothers is going to take the notorious John Constantine um, to NBC for television drama. Uh, this new series will be developed by David S. Goyer and Daniel Cerrone. And it's going to be based off of the character currently running um, in the comic books. Um, Constantine was created by Alan Moore and Steve Bassetti in the middle of their Swamp Thing run. And only, well, just before the relaunch of a new 52, uh, the series crested 300 issues, which is one of the longest running uh, comic books for a while. Um, of course, there's no casting news, um, only besides Goyer being involved in developing it. This one's much closer to my interests, and I have much bigger problems with. Um, this is not a TV character. I mean, as it stands, Constantine is an art if you were doing it right. Even the movie didn't get it right. So, best, we're looking at a sanitized show detective, kind of in the line of other shows that are already on TV, just again, using a name that's known from the comic world. Um, I'm a lot more skeptical of this working. Much, much more. If I, 
I honestly expect to be offended by the first episode of that. That's my real <laughs> expectation. Well, I know a long time Constantine fans haven't been that thrilled by the rebooted series in Nifty 2. And I think that DC got their their stations crossed. I would give the, I would give the show a lot more credit if it was being developed on Fox. <laughs> I mean, Fox can't bring you shows that are a bit harder, yeah. a bit more gritty. The show yeah. should be on HBO, really. Is it, it should, should be, be on HBO or, 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 AMC. Or, or at least AMC, right? Yeah. You know? Or at least um, AMC. Come on, break them. NBC, yeah. I I'd already see it. Nope. But yeah, so DC's got two shows coming to television. Personally, I think that they should stick with either Arrow or the animated format. Um, we're going to have most of their successes. Anyway, closing up our news for this week and its full-on comic book. Marvel is announcing a new She-Hulk ongoing series. Oh, God. Yep, that's what sums it up. And that's our news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a tiny little prop to Jen. Jen was the original Skittle she Hulk. I mean the original Skittle Hulk. Don't, don't go there. Um, don't go there. She's not my she's not one of the ones I hate. So I'd see where it goes. I'm pretty sure they're aren't it casting like red she Hulk. I hope so, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, my only problem is why she Hulk. Why is she getting so much forward these days? Yeah. And I'm really willing to see the 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 profits they're making from all of these um, comics of pushing her more into the teams, etc. I, I would like to know, because me personally, being one of the biggest Hulk fans possible, <laughs> and hater of all this skittle foolishness, I'd, I, I would bid on this one thing. Get rid of all the rest, keep her, yes, but don't push her as strong as they are. Exactly. I don't know, I, I mean, they're. Marvel has its fair share of female heroes, but it seems that you can't find any of them really that can carry a solo series. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay, Miss Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel has been doing pretty well um, with her own solo book, but the majority of other female heroes pushing individual books hasn't worked very well. Um, so they have X-Men, two or three group female titles now? Defenders, X-Men? Yeah, Defenders, X-Men, and... They just cancelled Journey into Mystery, which was Sif. Yeah, which was Sif. Um, <laughs> which actually wasn't falling at all, so you know, that's, that's not here on my chest. So I don't know. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be a show, well, she's currently in Mighty Avengers and the FF series. This is a show that's going to feature not only her superhero antics, but a bit of her legal, ego expertise as well. So that's, that's when I'm curious. So aka Suits for Smash, got you covered. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, folks, that's the end of our news for this show. Um, be sure to tweet us, Outsiders Comics, at Outsiders Comics. You can let us know your thoughts about these new stories. Um, what you're hoping to see from these shows, as well as the new She-Hulk series. And after the break, we'll be back with some reviews. Comic book reviews. All right, guys, we've got comic book reviews coming up. We've got five... More or less exciting titles. <laughs> more or less. <laughs> more, more or less exciting titles to review this week. Um, just to give you a heads up on what we're looking at this week, we've got A plus X number 12, which is by Justin Jordan, writer. We've got Deadpool number 17, Tom Strong, Planet of Peril number 3, 
Sex Criminals, number one, and Aquaman, number 23.2, one of DC's villainous decimals. We're going to start off with the Marvel books, and we're going to have Mark Audley take away Deadpool 17. Alright, um, Deadpool 17 continues an arc started two issues ago, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, which is Captain America, Wolverine, and Deadpool, if you translate them like that. Um, <clears throat> basically, it's been digging into Deadpool's history. Um, the Weapon X program, a mysterious guy called Butler, uh, who's funding what for them these days, and uh, basically there's a big mystery around uh, why, why Deadpool got out of the Weapon X program, what they've been doing with him since, and there's been some sinister cloning going on. Because the world needs more Deadpools. Um, yeah, I was telling Mark on the way out, I should really intro this book by saying, finally, Deadpool has a strong female lead. Um, coming off the last issue, the other voice in his head, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Preston, um, has been taken over while Deadpool was sulking inside of his own head. Uh, after all the news that he may be a daddy. Yeah, I cringe at that thought too. Um, and he's met up with... Captain America and Wolverine in North Korea where they're trying to get their own Weapon X program going by cloning Deadpool and other super soldiers. They have their own version of the X-Men which is sad. It's sad. It's a very sad version of the X-Men. And they've been horribly treated and they're trying to escape. So now with some leadership in the form of Captain America and Wolverine and Deadpool um, they're trying to get their, their act together, get their families sorted out, and break out of the, the North Korean prison. Um, the issue is a lot of fun. The arc is a lot more coherent than Deadpool has been since the Dead President's arc. This good, bad, un ugly storyline is great in terms of having a, a serious story to follow while at the same time still being Deadpool fun silliness. Um, I think they're really getting their balance together. Um, I like this Deadpool. Uh, he's fun to read about without being uh, what Wade and Omar would bang their heads against the wall to see, um, which is comic book breaking nonsense. He, he's not ridiculous. He's actually more like the X-Force uh, Deadpool, but he's more lighthearted and funny in this one than, than in the X-Force, but he's not ridiculous fourth wall breaking every, every panel. Um, so yeah, this is the middle of the story. At the end of it, they're just, they've just broken um, broken themselves out of the North Green Count, and they're looking for, we see the evil butler preparing a new plan against them. What do you guys think? I am actually kind of sad, uh, sad, sorry, that Wade isn't here. I was hoping that he <laughs> wouldn't be the one to review this issue, knowing his great love for all things that Yeah. <laughs> um, but We're no, I, I share the same name. I'm really enjoying um, this current Deadpool run. Like Mark said, it's 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 a bit more coherent to the Deadpool. He's still Deadpool-ish, very wacky and whatever. But his the approach by the writing team is a bit more grounded, a bit more serious. Um, this issue was fun for me because it it made fun at so many you know Marvel tropes. So the Cannonball Special, yeah, where you have these the uh, this uh, North Korean Colossus and Wolverine clones 
And the actual Wolverine is there trying to teach these guys how to do a fastball special. And it goes hilariously wrong, you know. Um, so you get a chance to look to see some of these characters, kind of familiar, but kind of not. Yeah. Um, the other cool thing about the, the, North, the North Korean X-Men clones is that they've got no concept of the outside world, you know. Um, they don't even know... They're who North they, Koreans, yeah. Who, they're North Koreans with these same sets of powers. You know, they don't know who Captain America or Wolverine um, would be, you know. Um, and even powers with their are, powers, they have a hard time just thinking about defying the North Korean regime. They have a hard time wrapping their heads around it. Yep. So the challenges there with Captain America, Wolverine, and Deadpool, yeah, they're, they're kind of special and interesting. And it's also cool to see that Deadpool kind of gets a chance to establish some credibility. Yeah. Because at the start of this, of this arc, the good, the bad, and ugly, he actually goes to Captain America and Wolverine and says, hey guys, um, some of these tie-in super soldiers, can I get some help? And he got blown off. You know, because people don't see Deadpool as serious. And one of the cool things for me coming out at the end of this issue is Deadpool saying, well, maybe now it's time for a change. Maybe it's time for me to try to be a bit more serious instead of being the joker that nobody else takes seriously. So it's cool to see these two characters, Captain America and Wolverine, um, guest starring in this arc and Deadpool coming in, you know, more kick-ass and hilarious. Yeah, I think we have... Deadpool has a lot of comic book cred as a character but we've done slapstick to death yes so i think trying to focus on, on making him a serious character in the world would be a good approach that could work for everyone um i, I agree and disagree at the same thing because then i don't want deadpool then to become your typical superhero deadpool yeah. has his place yeah. i would agree with you the dead president art was one of the better ones in recent time um, the other arcs up to now, we know, just keeping track, just copying the issue here or there, you know, just to keep up to date with certain things. Gauge those because they didn't really check them as much. This more serious read, I like this now, just keep it at this level. You still yeah. have voices, you're still doing weird like stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just please, for the love of God writers, just do so, not go... So, yeah, heading too far to the X-Force exactly. Deadpool would be... Would be I think it would kill the character. It would be boring. Oh, more than kill the character because it was made specifically just to be this. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair, I, I understand where Wade and Omar are coming from when they say that he's like Squirrel Girl except 10 times more prominent and, and he just does things that don't otherwise make sense in the Marvel Universe and that, that messes stuff up for them. Um, I guess. I, I get that, but he is supposed to be fun and lighthearted and I like that too, so... Because, because I never say that he doesn't have a place. If he has his own books, he's fine. If he's with other teams, it doesn't work as well. But strange enough, and it's all new X Men. Yeah. Ready to do Deadpool. Yeah. Hopefully, then no spoiler for anybody. Yeah. It's built for a while. So yeah, it's a spoiler show. We always have spoilers. Correct. <laughs> um, to me, he suits. He actually is more. He more is playing on the same. Um, he's acting the same way to me as he is in The Goody Body Ugly. Right. Because of, I mean, like, there's even a part, sorry to be going off a tangent, but even the part in um, All Next Men, the one who shows some tires up a car, and the usual Deadpool would be a complete idiot saying some, you know, talking to argue with himself or something like that. He did it. Yeah. He argued with himself after, but <laughs> he did it. And, it. and that I could live with. Just as you said, don't go too far to the left. That's all I'm asking. 
Well, how do you rate this book, guys? Uh, Deadpool and 17. Three and a half out of five for me. I, w- I would have given it a four, but um, I, it's still a little back and forth on, on trying to be exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's getting there for sure. Uh, I'm like, Yeah, I give it 3.5 also. It lost points for me just because I'm unfamiliar with this bit wanting to be serious. That's the only reason. But I, you know, just like Otto, I might learn to like it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to give this here a four. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'm liking this book. Uh, I'm liking where it's going in terms of the progression of the character. So that's um, cool for me. I'll just, for the sake of having a dis- uh, devil's advocate, Wade Allen gives this a zero out of five. <laughs> he hated it. Could not stand it. Deadpool needs to die in a fire. I uh, yeah, made fun of that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to move on with our next Marvel book. This one is A plus X, number 12. Um, I'm going to re- review this one. Um, this one, see, okay, if you're not familiar with the A plus X books, it kind of came out of the A versus X books. This time you have um, two stories where you have a Avenger and an X-Men kind of teaming up to do some weirdness. Um, Importantly, some one-shot weirdness. The, yeah. The stories have been very one-shot. Very one-shot. No consequence, no leftover, just a fun story with two or two or more characters. Um, this book, I think, is a favorite for me this week. This one features Captain America and Julie and Beast and Wonder Man. I was going to say, you just left off the cover. The cover. <laughs> the cover. The main <laughs> to go for, <laughs> go for the bathroom. <laughs> you all laugh, but actually... Before the same thing, I agree with how Mark said it to begin with. Yeah, I would have read the book the other way. I know. <laughs> I'm laughing about it facetiously. <laughs> Alright, this book, I, I like this book a lot. Um, well, for the first story, which is Wonder Man and Beast. I like it because it deals with continuity. Um, traditionally in Marvel, both Wonder Man and Beast have been, you know, BFS. Um, but given the recent development of the schism, uh, the whole Phoenix saga, uh, Wonder Man deciding to become a superhero pacifist, um, Hank McCoy, aka the Beast, being a little roguish in terms of like bringing back his younger his younger teammates to the present. Um, they haven't as as I've seen eye to eye. So this story, it's about two of them pretty much bonding. Um, you know, they they realize okay, you know, we haven't actually sat down and hung out as friends. So let's do that. Let's try to do that. And, you know, they start out from in the afternoon and it's going straight through. And they go through a series of really, you know, strange events, odd events. And it's just them trying to yeah. rekindle the French. This is the hangover starring Beast exactly. of Wonder Man. <laughs> exactly. That is it. Exactly. So, you know, um, that, that's, whoa. That's, that's literally it for this story where you have these two guys and they're going through... And at the end of it, they become friends. You know, they manage or they, they rekindle their friendship. They don't. They still don't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. Um, Beast, for instance, can't understand why Wonder Man, who is ridiculously powerful, you know, why is he adopting this whole pacifist movement um, that he's rolling with these days? Um, and well, Simon Wonder Man still doesn't agree with. Beast's decision to bring 
the young original X-Men back to the present, you know, they've managed to agree or disagree pretty much. And once again be really good friends. And that that was pretty much cool for me. Um, like Mark was saying, it's pretty much a one shot story. So they don't expect any great consequence, I guess. Hopefully besides the fact that they're once again friends. Um, a good fun read. Um, the follow-up story was also cool. Um, this one is featuring Jubilee and Captain America. Why it's cool for me, for the longest while I've been hearing that Jubilee is a vampire. And she's not the typical pansy ass, you know, can't stand sunlight vampires. She's pretty much a day walker, um, you know, with all the strength and whatever of a vampire. She don't sparkle. That's good. And she doesn't sparkle, which is good. <laughs> this is one of the first issues I've seen, not counting um, X-Men or any of the other but she's appeared in recently where she's actually being, you know, vampish. Um, fangs coming out, claws extended, that kind of stuff. She's actually recruited by Captain America to help him um, examine a World War II U-boat, which was part of a special project by Baron Von Strucker. It turns out that this was the Nazis' attempt to invade using vampires, funny enough. Um, and Jubilee, she's kind of curious, wondering why she's on this trip with Captain America. I mean, it's freaking Captain America. <laughs> he should be able to handle a U-boat full of uh, zombies. I'm uh, sorry, um, vampires. But it's a case where, well, it might be part of the election for Jubilee. It's also a chance for Captain Bond with Jubilee. She's been pretty much all the loop in terms of appearances in comics, um, teamwork, even with the X-Men. Um, and she came back in the X-Men book with a kid. So it's a chance for, you know, Captain America kind of touch base with this not-so-young hero anymore. It's also cool if you like seeing uh, vampires get completely dismantled, head is chopped off, ripped in half, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it turns out that both Cap and Jubilee get their own kind of bonding in. And you get to see Jubilee kick vampire ass. So that's cool. Yeah, the, the Nazis are kind of Nosferatu-style vampire as well. Jubilee is Jubilee. So she's the new, st new school versus the old school. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, we get vampire Nazis. Really? <laughs> sold. 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 Sorry, sold. It is established convention <laughs> pop culture wisdom that it will always be okay to kill Nazis. Correct. Always. Because why they keep coming back. <laughs> and vampire Nazis. Come yeah. on. What not to love? So, um, I give the book overall uh, 3.5, and that's mostly on the strength of the backup story. The the buddy comedy at the front is so cliched of, of just buddy comedy stories. It's it's readable, but there's nothing mind-blowing there. It's just fun. Um, and, but, but not even great fun, it's just fun. Yeah, I'll give it the same. Actually, I'll give it three. Reason being is for that same exact reason. When I was reading the the Hank on Wonder Man, I was like, well, this is technically hangover. I'm like, it's fun. I went in it, read it, and I fell a little brain dead afterwards. <laughs> but I was like, it was decent read. On the other hand, I got <laughs> and I was happy. But one thing then most the art. The art in this issue, I really like. I just, I don't know why, it just felt more streamlined, more... 
sleek. I like the cap on Jubilee exactly. a lot, a lot. The I guess it was in keeping with the story, but the um, Wonder Man B story felt cartoony, yeah. which I guess was intentional. Exactly. It, it is a cartoon. It was a cartoon. It felt like one. Exactly. But the Jubilee, but the Jubilee and um, cap, that art was impressive. I must say. The thing is, I don't remember Jubilee and Cap traditionally having a lot of team up thing. No, so I don't think that would be surprised if ever. Uh, and by the way, this is the first time I've read a Jubilee story with her as a vampire, so it was interesting. Yeah. So I I I wish I could read these stories separately visually. Because <laughs> honestly, as as much as I enjoy the continuity esque um, piece from the first the, the first story. The book really comes to life for me from the backup. So, you know. Uh, I'm going to have to say to you guys, give this here a three and a half. If it was just the Cat and Jubilee and Vamp Jubilee, I'd rate it a lot higher. But yeah, 3.5 for me. We're going to move on. Um, we've got way to call these both indie books. Uh, since they're not, you know, DC or Marvel. Uh, and we're gonna go with sex criminals and Paul's gonna take one away. Yeah, um, hmm. Normally we'll start off this with you know, hopefully no children are listening to this um, <laughs> podcast about this um, <laughs> um, comic book. We just put it this way, this is a very R-rated comic book. Just a little side note, this book was even launched in a sex store. Um, on its release date. Um, yeah, literally launched in a sex shop. Correct. The entire back panel basically screams at you for don't, don't read this, don't sell this to kids. Yeah. Um, I won't lie, I read this in passing just to cute generalized idea. Um, the lady's name, well, um, Susie. Susie, correct. The story begins with her just running through, you know, a typical monologue of her life and how it was, you know, how she was growing up, etc. What makes it different from everything else? After finding out her father died in um, basically stock market crash, they came in, shot yeah, up the whole place, rampage, random. She could accept that. So she's going through adolescence, no growing up, no knowing about her body, etc. Started off with her a day being upset with her mother who started drinking after her father passing. She went in the bathroom as any typical female would do, turn on her top, and proceeded to pleasure herself. Accidentally. Accidentally. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> when she pleasured herself, she realized that all of a sudden the entire world started to look like um, this whole palette of colors and whatnot. She couldn't understand it. The water froze, silent, everything. Time stopped, Time stopped, stopped right. completely for this lady. So, this is the premise of sex criminals. But a young girl, when in a moment of pure bliss and about, um, let's say, about the climax, she can freestyle. Except only in the tub for most <laughs> of the story. Yes, correct. Um, she has boyfriends, she gets with boyfriends, and doesn't have that same effect. So apparently the tub is the catalyst until later on. Well, yeah, because then she, when she got older and then she realized, because she said she was only she was going to find out about this, because this is a young girl who didn't have a father around. Her mother wasn't really there to begin with, so she didn't know about sex at all. She went to school trying to learn it from the sluttiest girls in the school. Yeah, that didn't work. That didn't work out too well at all. 
the biggest slut in the school decided to teach her about these certain positions, and I mean, there were some interesting, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I, I learned some stuff in there. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, One evolving a window. Let's just leave it at that. I've been on the internet since 94, 95, and they surprised me. <laughs> that that takes some doing. Yeah. Um, as she got older, then she she researched all this th- stuff on her own. So this is when it really kicks in. She becomes a recluse in a way. She commits her time to researching all about her ability and what's going on. Um, she ends up in the library, became in love with books. She's fascinated with anything that she could read. Um, so, so she sets up this, she, you know, so she's a little older to show her being older, etc. Um, she has sex with her, <laughs> with a guy that she, you know, believes she had love before, you know. Yeah, they clipped on, on a lot of levels. Right. <laughs> Um, no, this is not about the story. This, oh. this is this is before when she was at college. She's talking about college, having sex. This is when I just said her ability for first time having sex with um, a, the only guy she was having sex with. You know, she doesn't like it because you know then technically she's having sex alone. This is the ultimate story of having sex alone, even if you do have a partner. There, you no, know, we don't read really the story. The usual melodramatic thing about her friends, living alone, living with her friends and whatnot. Um, the story comes to a head when she had a party to save her favorite library and all the books in it and whatnot. There was a gentleman there, she clicked with him instantly. She couldn't understand why this guy knew all the books she, she loved. She was holding Lolita to her. Yeah, she, this, this man made her panties drop before he <laughs> even realized it himself. They proceeded to have sex. She wanted to let her to have sex. Um, she was prepared for it because she knew the usual when to have sex, time to stop, whatnot. In her moment of, hmm, what is it, basking, basking in her, you know, the whole climax and whatnot, she then realizes um, everything's frozen, but the guy, the guy looks at her, and freaks her also, asking, what is she doing in his time? What is she doing in this area? They're both in each other's special place. In this special place. <laughs> And this brings about the fact that she's not the only one up there. It ends off with a little prelude to what's going to happen next episode. It seems she probably doesn't have enough money. This is an assumption that she doesn't have enough money. And they decide to go and rob a bike. How? By having sex in the bathroom, freezing time, rob the bike. Yeah. Yeah. It, the whole thing was a, <laughs> a different and interesting story. <laughs> I, I know it might sound like it was all over the place, just in the story, but the story literally goes all over the place like that. You don't have to read it to be have a little bit more cohesion. I need to reread it. Exactly, it's a little cohesion. That's it. That's an issue I have with it to begin with. It had the I I like time skips. Yes, I do. You know, find out what goes on in the past and whatnot. But having her monologue, her entire you know trip through this, it was entertaining, but it got on my nerves a bit. Ah, how is this? Um, it's a little John Hughes-esque where you're, you're kind of, you're kind of watching through her eyes. Exactly. That's a little odd for any guy. For like, any guy, they, exactly. They really had a good voice for a teenage and college-age girl. <laughs> almost uncomfortably good voice for, for yeah. that. So it's like, okay. But the story is interesting. The premise is fun. Very, um, very fun. I'll be looking for the next issue. This book yeah. is written by um, Matt Fraction, by yeah. who is also the writer on Hawkeye. And... Some of them Marvel book that escapes me at this point. 
Uh, it doesn't matter, he's on Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. I like this book. I liked it because it, well, yes, while it was launched at a sex store and it's called Sex Criminals, yeah. it isn't quite as raunchy or, yeah, it wasn't or, or perverse <laughs> as you might be led to believe. Yeah. Um, and it, it was also like a good like example of what young people go through when they first come in the whole question of sex, you know. There, there's no there's no real manual for it. Some people have good parents who would fill them in on, you know, what's happening. Some people don't. And they're left to pick up from like T V or friends or whatever. Friends. Was I think through. what was cool about her in this case on, on what you're saying, Mark, is that she wasn't timid about it. She was just curious. She wanted to know. So she wasn't afraid of, of her sexuality. It's just Ah, come on, somebody tell I, me how that I, works. Actually, I won't put it that way because she became timid afterwards because the not knowing mm-hmm. is like a kid not knowing when, when have a kid, child, baby, they claim on everything until they have the first fall. Yeah. Then they realize fear. <laughs> it's when she went about the first time she asked the girls, and then she realized, what am I really asking these um, yeah. girls? She asked her doctor. Straight one, straight two. Straight, straight three. She asked her, her gynecologist about what happens after he climaxes with his wife when having sex and he's like well go to sleep <laughs> it's not funny but Mike, um, mark gibson oh sorry otley you're correct see this mark mark thing got me too good otley is correct because that explains it better to me like the voice of trying to see through her eyes as a female it was a little unnerving because you know as a guy you're like yeah, mean girls. As I could call it, mean girls. I'm guessing my fraction does very, very <laughs> detailed research because I can't imagine he has a, the voice of a teenager. <laughs> that, that I, I don't well, want. I don't want to see how he went about it. Only other opening thing to me. I'm not a fan of the art. Not a particular fan of the art. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't mind blowing for me either. It wasn't bad. It, it was exactly. just there. <laughs> just there, yeah. Uh, European style to me. Um, uh, God, I can't remember that guy. But Italian. So it, it reminded me of Italian. Uh, his name is Kitty. It's a weird sounding name too. Big D. And I got a Z in it. Wow. Zdarsky. Yeah, that's it. So I have no idea where he's from. Oh, exactly. Mm. Uh, okay, guys. So how do we rate this book? I'm going to give it my third 3.5 of the evening um it was an interesting read i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes it, it was fascinating and like i said a little unnerving and to me the definition of art is that it makes you feel something this made me feel something so it, it <laughs> was good it's awkward. interesting oh. yeah <laughs> i i can give you a four um matt fraction is he continues his run as a, as a very good storyteller um, he paints this world, the characters, very well. Um, particularly Susie, she's very, very detailed. Um, she's got this, this, like, little, um, kind of sarcastic tone to her. Um, she's Ellen Page in a comic. Yeah. Um, that's actually yeah, pretty apt. That's yeah. she's like. So, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this book as well. So, if you haven't picked it up yet, Sex Criminals <laughs> number one. Go get it. Um, I would give it a 3.5. Um, it only lost points for me because of the art. Um, it was unnerving reading it. But that didn't stop me from reading it. Because I say it was well crafted. It, it has a little 
inconsistency to me that's how it was put together that was just my problem how it was just kind of put together real but i like the idea and the premise and how it's going to go i give you that i come on people robbing banks <laughs> By having sex and stopping time. If there's one thing to say, that is very original. And I, I like it. I like, like that part of it. So, okay, 3.5. It'd be very interesting to hear the female outsiders uh, and any other female <laughs> listeners giving their feedback on this book, Sex Criminals Number One. So, be sure to tweet us or hit us up on our Facebook. We've actually got an Outsiders Comic Cast page, as well as the usual forum, Outsiders Comics, both on Facebook. Check it out. Uh, we're going for our next indie type book. It's actually a vertical book. So I guess it's a DC-ish type book. And that book's going to be done by... by me, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, Tom Strong and the Planet of Peril, number three. This is by Peter Hogan, Chris Sprouse, and Carl Story. Um, if you've not, I actually got onto Tom Strong. I made a brush up against it. Uh, off and on, but thanks to Wade and his recommendation, I went back, found the previous Tom Strong series as well as Terra Obscura, and both of those series form a pretty good backdrop for this mini series. Now, Tom Strong, uh, along with his son in law Val, they're both on a mission to the opposite Earth um, from their own, looking to track down Tom Strange, which is a uh, the opposite Earth version of Tom Strong. And they're looking to get a magic potion to save Tom's daughter, who is going through a superhuman pregnancy, which is in danger of life. But when they get to the planets, it's not like what they remember or what Tom remembers, because he's been here before. Um, and they find out that the entire planet is under martial law. Um, so they go looking to find um, the Tom Strange hero and the and Tom Strong comes up against heroes from his previous visit um, but nobody quite knows where his opposite number is. But we learn that the world is under martial law um, because of the actions of a couple of super um, science heroes and that's what this world calls their, their costumed heroes. Uh, so the world's pretty much in a dark place. Um, Tom and Val end up meeting with Seth and Hoth, who are, well, they were both science heroes. They're now the reincarnated, uh, two reincarnated Egyptian gods. And they're living in New Egypt, Egypt, which is in the middle of the Grand Canyon in the States. Uh, both of them, Tom explains his quest. Um, both of these gods, while they were expecting him, say that they can't actually help. Um, and they direct him on to continue his quest. Meanwhile, we get a glimpse at some of the other science heroes who are living in this a little post-apocalyptic world. Um, they're not, you know, running out saving the world every day because a few of the number give the whole bunch a bad name. So they're kind of keeping on the down low while still trying to save lives. Um, there's a bit of a refugee situation going on in New Egypt. So there's a whole tent city sprung up. And all kind of characters, both former heroes and former villains, are struggling to make ends meet. Uh, right, so story continues. 
they meet some of the uh, it's like a, a alternate like Justice League type type um, squad. Um, still, they don't know where Tom Strange is, but they all band together to go help. And whoa. And that's pretty much it. These quests for um, the search for Tom Strange continues. Uh, what happens is that Tom Strong he recognizes that this whole this entire planet is under quarantine. There's a, a, a virus going around that is infecting a lot of people, and the mortality rate is actually kind of high. So when Val figures, okay, are we going to go back home? Tom says we can't actually leave because he doesn't want to run the risk of taking the disease back to his planet and causing the same situation there. So Tom and Val, well, they are still searching for Tom for Tom Strange. They have another quest, which is to cure the planet aptly named the Planet of Peril. You guys, what's your feedback? I skimmed it. Um, I hadn't read the previous Tom Strong series, so I'm not familiar with the character of the second. To me, it felt uh, conscious of being a comic book deconstruction, like it's aware of what it is. Mm -hmm. um, the personalities and reactions are exaggerated in the style of Gold and Silver Age comics. Um, that was interesting and good, but I'm not following the story quite yet, so I'm going to have to go back and do some more reading before I really get into it. I'm the same as Mark, because technically this is my first issue I've ever read of Tom's work. Right? Yeah. They'd keep badgering me over my head over and over and over. Wait, Khalil, where are you when we need you? They're badgering me over the head all the time. V Tom Strong, V Tom Strong. That's their book. That's their book. But I read it. I read the book, skimmed over it. It seems quite interesting, actually. No lie. I know I'll probably get a flame for this. It feels more along like a true. Adventure book to me because I can see where I've been going, it feels that sort of way. Yeah, I, I could see that. Like Tintin or Astro. I just want to say it's actually like Tintin. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. It's a, it's a super powered Tintin. Or and believe it or not, if it, it actually has me a little interested, and I mean, you know, outsiders, if you haven't picked it up, and if I mean, me of all people sitting on here and read one issue mm -hmm. and it got me feel interested to go back on it, yeah, I'm waiting. Glow to all of your face now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back and read up on some. But if I'm just judging the issue alone, um, it was a pretty good. It was it was a pretty good issue. As in just like the character interaction, that's one thing for sure. Yeah, and that's basically all yeah. that happened. There wasn't a lot in this, in this issue, so this was as probably as, not the best point to jump exactly. Around. But but as, um, my then again, you never know. There's some people out there who just love character development. You won't call names. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. For, for this book, honestly, you'd be better served if you are familiar with Tom Strong and the story characters. So. If you haven't already, go find on Comixology or Amazon the Terra Obscure series or the original um, Tom Strong series. They're both pretty good. The original is Alan Moore, right? Yeah, written by Alan Moore. Which means it should be required reading anyway. Correct, that's right. Like, like uh, both Powell and Ollie said, this book isn't the best jump on point. So if you haven't encountered Tom Strong before, you're going to need a bit of backstory to understand the characters that he passes throughout the book and what's going on. Um, but still, it is a good book. It does have that Golden Age, Silver Age, adventure type feel. Instead of the, all the grim and gritty and yeah. heart achy yeah. superhero comics you're seeing now. 
Um, I'm going to give it a three because it's there's a whole lot going on. Honestly, it's a transition issue. Yes. So that's it for me. Yeah, I'm going to break aside. I, I don't feel qualified to score it, but I'm interested enough now having read it to take a look at some other stuff. So I'm going to go back and jump on it. Yeah, I'm the same with Ollie. Um, can't give the score, but um, we're just going to be happy. I'll be picking this up right after I finish. Um, <laughs> Finish catch back up to invincibility when you want. So then I'll be on my reading list. I'll be next. Uh, he's gonna be so happy. <laughs> Alright, we're coming up on our last book for review this week. It's one of DC's villains decimals, that's what I'm calling it. They're calling it their villains month. Um You're on your own again, Mark. I'm on <laughs> this, this really is Mark show this week. Yep. <laughs> Alright, um a bit of background. So the Crime Syndicate of America, which is from Earth 3, they invaded Earth 1 or Prime Earth or whichever number it is, mainstream DC Earth 1. Um, and they apparently killed the Justice League. So, all the villains, they were broken out of their various prisons, Arkham, Blackgate, wherever else, and the villains ruled the world. So, DC for the last month or for the month of September, they've been putting out villain books. Where the typical book um, is um, taken over by a villainous character. <sighs> so, this book is Aquaman 23.2, features Aquaman's brother, Ocean Master. Now, it, start, it gives you a bit of, of, it takes you back a bit, um, the whole Throne of Atlantis storyline from his perspective, where he's the ruler of Atlantis. Um, Apparently, Earth or the or the surface dwellers have attacked Atlantis with missiles, and he's retaliating. So he leads an invasion um, to the surface to take over. If you've been reading the Throne no, of Atlantis that series, no, that was the War series. Sorry. Yeah, that was that was the Throne of Atlantis War War series. That didn't go so well for him. He ends up getting captured and is in Bell Reeve Penitentiary, and he is distant at best. He sees all of them as his inferiors, and he's simply you know. Being armed. So, the society attacks Black Gate, uh, Bell Reeve is one of the prisons that is broken open and he's able to make his escape. What I find interesting about this book is that he isn't Ocean Master, is he? The, and I, I was able to get a bit of character development for Ocean Master. Um, a bit of, you know, who, who he is, who drives him, that kind of stuff. Um, he's very much committed to Atlantis. Um, and he sees himself as you know the, the ruler of Atlantis, but he has a certain predatory um, morality. He does believe that you know the strong, you know, should survive. If you don't survive, I guess you weren't. Um, he in he in the in this issue was a guard who was always very kind to him. He repays this guard merciful death, which is. Dark, I know. Um, he comes across um, two fellow prisoners. They're robbing a convenience store, and he saves the people in a convenience store not to be a hero, but because well, he was tired of being you know taunted by these two prisoners, and he was having enough of it. Um, yeah, I think they're trying to make it clear he's on his own side. Yeah, he isn't good or bad. He is you know his own, his own. Guy, his own the guard said the best. The guard said the best. Yeah, sir. About him 
um, he not need to you know, he could excuse what he did, and as he said, um, the Atlantans are is more complicated than being good or bad. Yep. So I, I like this book, and I've been slogging through the majority of the villain, the villains books. Uh, I don't know how I to manage that. I don't, I don't. <laughs> that alone, <laughs> I think, makes you superhuman. I'm gonna admit it has been a slog. Um, but this book, Ocean Master, this is actually one of the really good books coming out of Villains Month. Um, primarily because they don't make him black or white, as in a villain or a hero. You know, um, he's very much a grey. He's very much motivated by his own, you know, interests. And Nemo Alcoft. And the book does end with him turning back apparently to help um, humans who's getting her head beaten by rampaging mates. Um, so it, it would be interesting to see where the book goes from here. It is plotted by Jeff Johns. So he's, well, he's not um, yeah. on the main Akamai book anymore. He's still very much. You'll have to wait and see if it's one he's paying attention to or one he's phoning in. <laughs> true, true. But this book was good. It actually, for me, it's top shelf for the whole Villains Month, which says a lot because out of the. Let me yeah, say that's like, the best dub toy I ever had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, DCG putting out was like some like 13 books for the last, each week for the last four weeks. And Ocean Master is sadly one of the better ones. So, yeah. Um. Fortunately, Villains Month is over now, so that's a good thing. Um, so it will be interesting to see where any of this development that happened in these individual books goes from here on in. So, um, I'm gonna rate it a strong three. That, that's very strong for Villains Month book. Um, I didn't connect heavily to it. I kept thinking of Namor. I just really just kept thinking of Namor while I was reading it, but. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't the better, the better clothes, but, but for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I can give this, I'll give this a three and a half, I think. Um, the half point comes from, you know, this being one of the last books in those months so for that. <laughs> it's um, finally over. It is finally over. Um, it was a good attempt to develop the character of Ocean Master. Instead of him just being Aquaman's brother, crazy. Blue yeah, blue. yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. There's a lot more development here than we've seen in a long time. Normally, his development comes from a plot, not not him. We don't look at him specifically. It's just a plot line that he's involved with. Yeah. Um, for me personally, I've been raving about this. To everyone who's already seen me raving about the previous Aquaman, which was on the 22, 23, 22, 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, I was raving about that one because I tried to give it a shot. Right through most of them. <sighs> Only fell in love with the first Aquaman, and this continues the trend. The first Aquaman was with Black Mantis. Black Mantis, yeah. And it did the same exact thing, basically, in a way. So, if nobody read that, I advise you to go read at least that one um, with Black Mantis because it shows him giving up because since um, Arthur is supposedly dead, supposedly dead yeah. he doesn't have the money for the right? he doesn't have yeah. purse anymore. And then after Ultraman decided, you know, the sunlight still burns him like oh hell, knocks over the moon, moon controls the tides, tides mess of the ocean. He's you know, has a purpose again. Yeah. Did the same thing here with um Ocean Master. Uh I I would say it was a pretty nice read. Um 
<laughs> it was better of the DC villains, but that doesn't say a lot. It really doesn't. But still, it was the better read out of the whole entire month so far. Another uh, Kipper 3.5 also. It was. It, um, I particularly love the ending. Um, where if the mother again and them getting abused, um, well, getting uh, better turning accosted <laughs> by some of the other inmates and whatnot. He trying to turn a blind eye, saying he's not human, he's Atlantean, and but yet, but yet, still turning about around at the end and saying, "Eight is too young," mm-hmm. meaning the age of the, the little child that was being uh, accosted and went back for them at the end of the I like that. Trying to humanize Atlantean. I'll have to go back and double check, but I want our, our listeners to realize that I scored lower on Mark than almost every review. That was pretty interesting. 3.5. All right, well, that is the end for our reviews this week. Uh, be sure to check us out again on Facebook, either the Outsiders Comicast uh, page, uh, so that's the keyword, Outsider Comicast. Or the usual forum, Outsiders Comic Book Underground, and that's also on Facebook. You can tweet us at Outsiders Comics. Let us know what you thought about the books this week. Any books that you didn't hear, that weren't reviewed, that you like, or that you, that you did like. What are your thoughts on DC's Villain Month, the Villainous Decimals, or anything else you want to add? We're going to take a break here now, and then we're going to come back with a big discussion. Stay tuned. Outsiders Comic Book Discussion. Alright, we're back after the break. We've got a bit of a discussion planned. I hope you're looking forward to it. Um, you're going to have to excuse us. We are a little short-handed this week. So, and we are trying to get back into the groove of the whole podcast thing. Um, in light of the success of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., as well as the news you've heard, Earth DC is taking two of their properties to the small screen. Um, it seems that... It seems that comic book characters... Uh, comic book properties are coming back to the small screen, coming back to TV. So, according to the discussion this week, uh, and the topic is comic books making the jump to the screen, what we hope to see and what we don't. Um, we've got a couple of successes. Uh, Arrow, for one, uh, has concluded its first season. The second season is starting back in a couple of weeks. Uh, and by all accounts, that has been a pretty successful show um, for a superhero theme show. Um, DC has usually had a lot of success with anime format. So you have Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman anime series back in the 90s. Even now, the Beware the Batman, which is another update take on Batman, is doing decently well. Um, but we've, we're seeing now more shows or more characters coming to the small screen as live action with Gotham and the the um, expected Constantine show um, so according to the topic guys what do we hope to see from this effort of taking our favorite characters to the small screen I don't know how many times I have to get burned before I learn my lesson but um, I continue to try optimism um, not for Constantine, it's just bad idea from the get-go, but in general, taking the comics to the TV, why not? You own the properties, you're looking to make more TV shows, give them a shot. I mean, 
I think Arrow was a surprise hit. I don't think many people expected it to do as well as it did, um, especially given the CW formula. Um, it it kind of succeeded despite itself. So, you know, they're gonna they're gonna launch the shows, and I think you know, depending on the cast, the characters, the way they write the stories, um, some are gonna hit, and some are gonna miss. But hopefully, they'll they'll build on what works, as you said earlier, and use the others to catapult catapult forward. I would love to see a flashback. I love the 90s Flash TV show. Oh, yes. That, that was great fun. I mean, they didn't really cross over, right? It was just the Flash and all. Yeah, yeah. And, and it worked great. Uh, it, it was a super fun show. It, I mean, there was no depth to it, but yeah. it was fun. So I'm, I'm hoping to see a new golden age of, of comic book TV shows. Yeah, as you just said, new golden age, because previous, previously we had all the other, um, we had our Hulks, Museum Flash, etc. And I, 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 I personally believe now's the time. Yeah. Yes, I know you talked about cashing earlier with the whole Gotham, mm-hmm. but I'm not as optimistic as Ollie. <laughs> but I will leave judgment till when they come out. Um, the key thing for me is that I want it to be well written and I would like Etsy to spin like Marvel Shield. Have make sure you have um, a better tie-in to the actual base screen, and it's hopefully I know a lot of people might flame for this. Um, I would like them to at least have some elements. Say you see Avengers two when it comes out, some elements that take place in Shield. Your repercussions within effect. Given Whedon's involvement, I highly doubt that that will be that opportunity will be missed. Yeah. Um, he will leverage his show against his movie for sure. For sure, exactly. So, um, so. But so far, apparently, the the show hasn't had a a heavy reference from from the movie. I haven't seen a lot exactly. from it so far. So, well, only only thing you see just because Saints Coulson is back. But again, yeah, uh, the ratings were great just off of the strength of of Avengers. So, yeah, do it if you can get it out of the, if you can get it funded and and greenlit based on the popularity of the movies. Do it. I would love to see more comic properties. On TV, even if I hate them, like Constantine. <laughs> but Constantine, yes, what you're saying is true. Constantine should be on AMC or HBO. Yeah, that's the first show. mistake. If you're, you're not making, making Constantine as a double show, you're doing it wrong. It, that, it. And I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. So right now, NBC, boy, you're going. <laughs> unless you can show this at 12 o'clock in the night yeah. with a big disclaimer saying MM, <laughs> yeah. but your audience, I believe. I honestly, guess. honestly, it will. It will do good. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Because just everybody wants to see just comic books on the basement. I'm expecting a fringe slash supernatural clone. That, that's just exactly. what I'm expecting. And that's the best, you know, that would be the best. But the thing is, with, even with Aiden's Shield, um, there have been fans who have been giving the show lashes from its refusal to. Really, Mark? Comic book fans are annoyed about the <laughs> property. But no, I mean, like for instance, um, like for the, I don't know how many of you listening have seen the, hopefully by now you've seen the first episode of Agents but a lot of folks were hoping that that character, the super strong black dude, yeah. was going to be um, Luke Cage. Right. Right? Uh, instead, Marvel went with a completely generic um, character. Uh, and well, the well the first episode did a lot of referencing to the movie so like extremists popped up um 
other references from the various um, movies, Captain America, Thor. So well, we I had heard, I heard the opposite that there wasn't that much. The, to me, there weren't about. that. There weren't that much. They did reference the issues, but those were just like, yeah, this there is were, here. There was name dropping. Yeah, there yeah, was, was name dropping. dropping. But they didn't really flesh out certain. So you didn't it. see Iron Man's armor. Yeah, but you're, you're not going to see. You're not going to see those characters like you know on a flyby, or you're not going to see Thor showing up. You know, yeah, but you're not going to see how the character. Character. Because yeah, because the whole different thing was together. No, um, yeah. that, uh, um, you're seeing Maria Hill, Colby um, Colby Summers did have a cameo in the first episode, mm-hmm. but you're not going to see Nick she, um, Nick Fury, right? So you have a show that is that is running completely parallel to the movie um, cinematic universe, the cinematic universe, but you're not going to have any sort of direct, you know, cross transference. Of these characters, and that's my problem. I actually want a little bit. I don't want too much because I know when it yeah, comes to the consistency, now it may be, become too convoluted. When you have to come to Avengers two, something may happen. You see, we have to happen. You see, something may happen there. But I just want a little bit more to make you feel a little bit more connected. It's actually still connected to that Avenger. It, it just by saying it's Avengers and um, these here, uh, only two people recognizable are you know Mary, um, Mary Agent Hill and Coulson. To me, that isn't enough for me as a comic book fan. I mean, even there was on the monitor that had the, uh, a little image of Hulk. You look at the Yeti, like Hulk, the Yeti footage would be the blurry image of Hulk. Say, so, yeah, that's Hulk, but I would like to see a bit more. Only good thing that made me laugh, and this is a direct lash at um, Man of Steel, is that they even explained it was like um, the whole of New York and whatnot was invaded by aliens, and next, Technically, you could say we're weak. City cleaned up. You <laughs> just come in, clean up the whole city. Do that, do. I'm, I know that's all the way, but that's actually to me that was fun. I just like I like stuff like that. Those little Easter eggs. Just listen. Yes, that's so. continuity. Yeah. Exactly. Keeping continuity is, is it matters. For me, I know um, about the whole thing of, of what we're hoping to see. Particularly for Agents of Shield, Marvel. Well, they do have their puppies scattered on um, the, the, the TV. And, and, and similar rights. They had them scattered across like two or three different studios. What I'm hoping to see for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would be a lot of their B and C list characters, heroes and villains, mm-hmm. coming before the the show. So, for instance, um, in the episode they mentioned the whole thing of New York, mm-hmm. um, well, I was thinking that it's a company, man. Good or evil company? Um, it, it's a company that cleans up the superhero. Battles, oh, okay. um, maximum damage. Listeners, if you can tweet um, the name of the show, there's a there's a there's an actual company in Marvel Comics that's responsible for cleaning up the damage from the superhero battles, mm-hmm. invasions, that kind of stuff. I can't remember the name of this company. If you can tweet it, that'd be great. That'd be excellent. But stuff like that, we have B listers and C listers showing up. You know, um, so it doesn't have to be anybody who's currently on the roster for development for a movie. So mm-hmm. no, so man, you don't have to worry about no, him down doing X or Y. Exactly, but a lot of the C listers or even characters that aren't slated for development. So like Black Panther, yeah. you know, he is a pretty solid character, a list character in Marvel. It would be cool to see him features or King of Wakanda. As King of Wakanda, it makes sense for him to be a Shield. I mean. I, I, I gotta disagree with that one. 
just because of Black Panther, because you just said carefully, you just said you be C-listers. <laughs> and then you just mentioned the A-listers. To yeah, but really, come on. I, 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 I can't. Come he on. I, I'm sorry. He doesn't have his own books, so I that's know. not A-list. <laughs> I, I, that, is, that is so true, and I'm still upset with that. <laughs> because I just don't like the fact of, like, the whole Khalil loves his female leads. He likes them to be, you know, he likes them to be more in the forefront. I personally would like to have a few more um, black superheroes in the forefront. And that is why I'm one of the few who was happy that the generic guy was not Cage. I was happy that he doesn't drop Cage just in that scene just like that. Um, because there's some characters I would like. Because, hey, you guys say no, Black Panther doesn't have his own book, but Luke Cage does. You know when I come up with um, his Black Avengers. Black Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I read it, but you won't go down that line. That's not what discussion is about, but I'm just saying. I personally would like the B listers only. Don't give me my high up, you know. It, uh, but no, I, I don't want Black Panther. I don't want Black Panther to have his own thing. Come on, man. I, I'm still. Oh, bring a petition for <laughs> to have his own movie. And I know Robert Kennedy will create. I remember seeing talk about it. I don't know if it's anything concrete, but from phase three, I remember there was talk about a Black Panther. Yeah, talk about it, but you know, it's not, not sure. Yeah. Come on, the more kids, the more kids. Am I really a thing? No, okay, Black Panther. Well, no, honestly, I mean, given the fact that <laughs> that it is a shield is running parallel to the cinematic mm-hmm. universe, it would be cool to have, or in the same way how the entire Marvel universe is set up by having individual movies providing the character development mm-hmm. for the individual heroes leading up to the big team movie. How cool would it be to have some of that same character development happening on the show? I can't see that not happening. Exactly, exactly. I, they really, I, I just, it would blow my mind if it didn't happen. But that's the only thing that would separate the show from being typical during, during the week thing. Yeah. But no, that's, I agree with you on that. I'm saying that already. Just that, keep it to the B, C listers. Give the characters that. Actually, this is the perfect vehicle for people to go, the general audience, to find out about characters that. I know you're saying that, Paul, like Coulson and Maria Hill, who aren't frontline characters. If we had met them in a TV show before the Avengers, you know, they might have a little more connection. Honestly, I wasn't that upset when Coulson died in the movie. Exactly. (laughs) It wasn't that connected to him. If it was connected to him now in the series that he died, I'd be like, what the hell could happen when they go watch um, season episodes, I mean season three, episode one, what's going on? Yeah, I I think (laughs) think intelligent use of that could really make a a huge, I think it would be a big splash. There's a bunch of questions there. The TV show has to have its own drive. It has to have its own connection. Yeah. It has to have its own people. So, B C listers. I agree with you. B C listers, not A listers. The, the interesting <laughs> thing is, is that um, on the SLA fight with DC, no, DC is doing that exact same thing with Arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to give season two is going to give a spinoff of Batgirl pilot for the Flash, which I'm actually interested to see how they're going to work that out. Mm-hmm. But this season, season two of Arrow, they are making a greater push to include. Uh, a wider range of DC characters coming in. So you've got um, Braun Sire coming in, you've got Amanda Waller coming in, you've got uh, Flash, Barry Allen coming in, uh, and who knows who else, uh, but their blood is in there as well. Uh, I can't remember all the names, but you you are seeing more familiar yeah. names in the comics coming in. Um, Be listeners. In certain aspects. Well, no, Flash was a... Flash no, it's Flash. We won't, we won't go play. I'm like just saying, you know. But DC, at least with Arrow, they're going to take that chance. And they're smart. Like you said they're smart. They're going to go play like, give him his own series. Not just have him as a... 
Alias just being, hey, I'm just here as a guest star just to bump ratings. Yes, we want to see Flash. Flash is here. I don't want that. <laughs> I personally don't want that because that takes away from it for me because they, they just bring them in here like they have no effect. They no long standing relationship with them. Yeah, I, I, yeah, they really need to give each character the attention exactly. it before they give it a show instead of just trying to from anything they can do. So you want to hold how many? That's standard operating yeah. procedure. So I mean, it's six. Just one, how many? Together. How many episodes? Um, Barry being three. Only three. Yeah. Yep, I was right. Hey, let's go. Yeah, continue. Hey, digress. The question that I have popping up though with that decision to bring Flash in, and with DC for the last fifteen million years expected to bring out a Justice League movie, mm-hmm. is it going to be a more direct link? You know. People have been wondering will the person playing Flash in the show in the TV series end up playing Flash in the movie? I know to say no. Yeah, exactly. that seems very unlikely. And that is the problem to me. DC has when competing with Marvel because Marvel made sure, in most instances, Hulk, not Derek God. Anyways, right? In most instances, they try to keep the same actor, and that keeps you more connected to these people because I mean. Take an example, the same vendors. Um, Rose, oh, he was, he, he was good, but he still like nothing. Yeah, it just was connected more to Norton than anything else. I'm sorry, I can call me a fool. You want? I'm sorry. You can um, call me a fool all you want. I actually agree. Norton did the best movie host. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Sorry. So, so you go disagree with this one. The, the luck, the luck. I so, and that what kept me grounded. And I was like, if he was to be in Avengers. I would have more loved the Hulk. I, I had like the Hulk in the movie, but I did not love him as I love him in God. Because I grew up on 80s Hulk, and the Norton movie paid so many <laughs> tributes to that. I was just, I was just all there like squeeing like I was a tiny. <laughs> so they, so, they so hit that, all my notes, but I, I totally understand that was a business decision. Norton yeah. is legendarily difficult to work with, so he kind of pulled himself out, just like uh, what's his face. Yeah, he just difficulted himself out of it. So what so I'm saying is that keep that for the series, that's what I want in the series. I just want well, like them to be more, well, in DC-wise, mm-hmm. just to have more of a, keep it more connected with the, probably same actors. I know it won't be because, you know, sometimes CW, as we explained earlier, is the GQ of the television. Is CW owned by Warner? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it is them, just a, a separate yeah, yeah, Warner and somebody else. Okay. So you know most of the people on there not for acting skills but really because they look pretty. Because they look CW. <laughs> CW is a look. Yeah. It's just what they do. But that's what I want from them. I just want them to be this because that's what that would be wrong. That's what would be I have to say. I have to say I don't think we're the target audience for those shows. Yeah, exactly. They're targeting sixteen to twenty five with those shows. Yeah. That that's their main action fashion shows. So. Sorry. So, me, I'm not the target audience for those shows. I'm sure we have 16, 25 year olds. But that's what, but that's what happened me. That's what really makes me sad. Is because if you have a target market, say this is 16 to 25 year olds, I'm 30. And I mean, I've been reading comics forever. A lot of these young children don't aren't reading comics as much. This is the perfect, as I said earlier, the perfect vehicle. What about this character? Like, hey, like this character, this character is awesome. Where can they see I, more stories? We're going to check him out. And I mean, we go on the internet, people are going to Google, they're going to find out who's this character and be like, yeah, this man sounds cool as all hell. He sounds cooler in the comics than he does on the series, portraying him. 
that was what that may actually be the reason why she holds game other monkey series. Is it is a thought? It's very likable, you have to admit. <laughs> There's a difference between likable and being the <laughs> the the, uh, the the most friendly of females. <laughs> like, that's what I was saying. Like, like, Okay, so, so we talked about what, we're, what, we, what we'd like to see for these shows, um, specifically Arrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What don't we want to see? Um, we're already seeing what I don't want to see in Arrow, but again, I'm not the target, I'm aware of that, so I'm going to let them go ahead with it. I'm hoping for a more sophisticated show with S.H.I.E.L.D., even though it's on ABC, which is basically Disney. I'm hoping for plots that have depth, not, not just... You know, totally superficial. Ah, villain buying, he's dead. We win. Um, if Whedon is as involved as he should be, that shouldn't be an issue. Um, I mean, his his resume kind of speaks for itself as far as deep, complex plots go. So I'm hopeful, but I well, I, I would fear his brother running running a um, into shield. Um, given given Whedon's involvement. In Marvel right now, he's probably and clout. Have, and Clout. We're probably gonna have you know some link to the show, but it's more his brother and his wife, somebody else running. I would hope shorters. involved enough that he could see if it was going wrong. Hey guys. Hi. Hi, Dave. All right. So that's it for our discussion. If you want anything to add, uh, what you want to see with the comic book characters coming to the screen, the small screen, again, let us know. We're on Twitter, at Outsiders Comics. We're on Facebook, Outsiders Comic Book Underground, as well as the new page for the comic cast, Outsiders Comic Cast. That's C-O-M-I-C-A-S-T. Just like it sounds. Just like it sounds. Uh, well, that's it for our show this week. Um, remember to check us out on Facebook. You've heard it so many times this show. We're also on Twitter, comics. You can listen to this show on iTunes. Subscribe us um, there. We're also on SoundCloud as well as Blogspot. We are here. Everywhere. I don't remember the actual link. It's outsiders.blogspot.com. Ah, got it right. Excellent. So, outsidercomics.blogspot.com what he said <laughs> so thanks guys for tuning in um, hopefully next time we'll be back with more conflict <laughs> I don't want to say conflict I want to say <laughs> that's conflict that's the definition of conflict so thanks for tuning in um, I am Mark Gibson Mark Offie and this has been our show and we're out <laughs>